that God has the store for us this year. I believe he is here with us. Amen. His spirit here is among us. Uh, his word is alive. He is speaking, teaching, leading, correcting, changing us all today into the very image of Jesus Christ, right? And I'm ready to listen and I'm ready to be there. I'm ready to make room for him. Amen. You know, God creates every living thing with the passion to want more. A seed buried in the ground fights its way up through the soil for more. A baby that is born does not have to be taught to need food. A baby does not have to be taught to communicate what's happening. He may have to be taught or she may need to be taught how to communicate and how to get some food and eventually how to feed themselves, how to take up and care for themselves, but they do not have to be taught to desire more. They have that desire within them because God creates healthy living things to want more. Babies want to eat. Babies want to communicate. Babies want to move. Hello. Yeah. And so we, in the same way, as those who have been born again, you have the living seed, the word of God, the spirit of God alive in you, and he has put in you a quest for more. Amen? You have that desire within you. That comes from the Lord himself. We may need to be taught how to get more. We may need to be taught how to communicate what he's put within our heart. We may need to be taught how to live out what he has for us. But a healthy spirit means you are on a quest and a hunger and have a desire for more. If you don't have that desire for more, there may be something unhealthy inside. Hello? God has put a healthy desire within us for more. In this series called More, we're going to be talking about what it means to expand your capacity to know God. Now, I chose that word very specifically, capacity. I didn't say expand your activity, but I said expand your capacity. Capacity and activity are two different things. You can do a lot of activities and not end up experiencing more of God. Hello? The Pharisees had a lot of activity, but they had very, very small, if no, capacity. They, I'm convinced, they are the ones who came up with the phrase, fake it till you make it. I'll just tell you up front, there is no phrase that irritates me more as a pastor and as a man than that phrase. I'm going to tell you what, we as believers are not in the business of faking it until you're making it. We are in the business of genuine hearts, honest before God, seeking him, willing to do whatever he says to get to that place. I'll change my capacity before I change my activity because if you change and try to just do activity in this new year without expanding your capacity, activity without capacity will lead to inauthenticity, hypocrisy. You'll do a lot of stuff and you'll be like the Pharisees and Jesus said, you come to me, but your heart is far from me. They were faking it, hoping they would be making it, and you don't ever get anywhere by faking it. You get somewhere by humbling yourself before God and say, God, my heart is open. Do what you will. Amen? You expand your capacity, and then you'll do some activity and that'll lead to transformation in your life. Amen? So that's where we're headed. I hope I've already kind of spurred on your appetite just a little bit. Now, <clears throat> we're going to start in Isaiah 54 today. I'm going to read this passage, three verses of it. It's going to become the basis for this whole series. So don't be too disappointed that I don't dive in much deeper into it today. 
it is a launching place today. Isaiah is a prophet. God is speaking to him and through him to the nation of Israel, the people of God. And they are at a point in which they have been taken captive. They have lost their place in their land. They had been in exile. They'd been far away. They'd been in poverty. They had been reduced in number. Many had been killed and they were not living the promise that God had given to them. They were not in the land. They were not in their position. They were not in their confidence. They were not where they were called to be. And Isaiah writes to call them out. And in 54, we're 54 chapters in to this big announcement that God has brought through Isaiah. He calls them out for their sin and he calls them out and calls them back to repentance. Isaiah 53 is a beautiful picture of the prophecy of our Lord Jesus. We're going to get into more of that as we get closer to Resurrection Sunday this year. But 54 deals with what happens when the people return to the Lord. When your hearts have returned and you've quit trying to fake it and now you're ready to expand your capacity Here is a promise that God gives to them in verse 1 of chapter 54. He says, Sing, O barren, you who have not born, break forth into singing and cry aloud, you who have not labored with child. God uses imagery that they would have quickly identified with. Perhaps the greatest measure of someone's blessing in that day was to have family, a fruitful family. And God says to them, I know at this point you feel like a woman, a wife who is barren. She's not had anything come from her. There's no fruit come from her. She is longing to have fruit come from her. She's longing to have impact. She's longing for the blessing of God and she hasn't felt it. And Isaiah says, empowered by the Holy Spirit, he says, it's time for you who have felt like you have been barren. It's time for you who felt like you have lived in isolation. It's time for you who felt like you've not known any blessing from God. It's time to sing. And he says, sing, O barren. One who is still barren, he says, it's time for you to sing. It's time for you to break forth into singing and to cry aloud. It's time to shout because there's a blessing coming because you've returned to the Lord. You've quit faking it to making it. You've come with your heart open capacity to God. And he says, now get ready. Start singing. Start shouting. Verse one, the second half, he says, for more are the children of the desolate than the children of the married woman, says the Lord. He says, you look around at all the other nations and you see how many children they have and you see what blessings they have. I'm telling you, God says, you're about to be the one that's blessed and highly favored and kept and watched and showered with blessing. You're about to have abundance come from you. Amen? Are you still with me? Y'all still here? All right. Verse 2. He says, based on this, here's what I want you to do. He says, enlarge the place of your tent and let them stretch out the curtains of your dwellings. Now, he didn't say this because they had gone to Joe Pool for the weekend and they were on a camping excursion. This is what they lived in. This was their house. You lived in a tent and you were in luxury. And all the camping guys and gals said, so he says, it's time to expand and enlarge the place of your tent. You've been living in a one-room shanty It's time to expand. I want you to add a laundry room. I want you to add a sauna room. I want you to add some bedrooms. I want you to add some stuff on. I want you to enlarge the place of your tent. I want you to get ready. I want you to expand because there's blessing coming. I love the fact that he said, enlarge it before it came. Get ready, it's coming. By faith, enlarge. By faith, expand. By faith, get ready for the blessing that's to come. And I want you to expand your tent. I want you to make it larger. I want you to get some room ready. 
And he goes on in verse two and he says, and do not spare. Lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes. He says, look, don't hold back. Don't skimp on this deal. Don't be limited. Go ahead and be lavish in this. Expand the cords out. Take the stakes and lengthen and, and move them out. Drive them in deeper. Take the cords and stretch them out longer. Make a bigger place because God's about to pour out blessing. Verse three, for you shall expand to the right and to the left and your descendants will inherit the nations and make the desolate cities inhabited. That's a powerful blessing coming to these people. And it comes from a word from the Lord. Now, in our day, you might think, as a believer, we're on the limitation scale right now. Things are dwindling. Our freedom's reduced. Our voice reduced. Favor reduced. Wrong. God takes care of his people. Amen? God is with his people. And just because we see what we're seeing in our day does not mean that our God has left us. It just means our God is doing a different work today than he did before. And so you and I today are to be the people who are not dismayed by what's happening out there, but confident because of what's happening in here and in there in the heavenly places. Amen? We get excited about that and we prepare for that. We don't downsize in our spirit, in our heart. We upsize it. We go through the drive-thru and say, go ahead and upsize that a couple of sizes. I'm, I'm going larger on my tent this year. Not this tent. Hello. Yeah, you got to be careful where you upsize. But he says, it's time to increase. It's time to expand. Because what God wants to do is not shrink what you got. He wants to expand who you are. He wants to expand his work within you. Now, we're going to dive into that passage much more in the weeks ahead. It's such beautiful imagery, though, such a powerful call to us as God's people in this day that we need to increase our capacity. He didn't tell them to be more religious. He didn't tell them to have more activity. He said, first, expand your capacity. Again, What's the big difference between capacity and activity? Capacity says, God, my heart is yours. And I will humble myself. I will expand all that's within me to receive more of what you have. Because it's more important that I receive what you have than for me to try to be doing more activity for you. Now, both of those are necessary, so we'll get that clear. If you have greater capacity, you'll have more activity. But if you're trying to do more activity without expanding your capacity, you're headed for trouble. You'll be like people who claim to be very religious and have a lot of activity, but their heart far from God. So, uh, to start off with, I'm going to do some uh, work on the board back here. It's a new thing for us here at Vertical, but not a new thing for me necessarily. I love a marker board. And so... Uh, the scripture has much to say to us about how we do this. How do we expand our capacity? So um, let, me, let me talk to you about how to expand your spiritual capacity today. And I want to use uh, a, a verse from the New Testament to help us. 1 Thessalonians 5, 23 says this. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. Paul's praying, and he says, for you, the church. He's writing specifically to a church in a city called Thessalonica. But the Holy Spirit's preserved it for us today, so it has implications for us. God is in the process of sanctifying us completely to refine us, set us apart, be used for his glory. He is shaping, molding Every event in your life has purpose. Every conversation you'll have today has purpose. Every moment has purpose because he is at work in you, conforming you, your heart, into the image of Jesus Christ. That's right. So Paul says, may the God of peace 
the one who's come and given us peace. May he sanctify you completely. Here's what it says in the next part of the verse. And may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of Jesus Christ. He says, here's what this looks like, this sanctifying process, this making you more into the image of Christ. He said, it will involve your spirit and your soul and your body. I believe that scripture teaches us here in this verse and in other passages as well, as well that this is a description of how God has made us. He has made you and I with a physical body. Let me just do some writing up here if you want to do some drawing on your notes there. You're welcome to. If you want to take pictures with your phone, you're welcome to. I'm going to do a lot more up here, so you might want to wait just a little bit. He has made us with a body, but he's also made us with a soul. Now, sometimes you find in Scripture this word used interchangeably for another word, spirit. But I believe they are uniquely different. Uh, Hebrews 4 says that the word of God is like a two-edged sword. It's active, it's powerful, and it's able to divide between, you know the verse, verse between soul and spirit. Your soul is that part of you that makes you able to think, feel, and choose. It's part of your natural birth design. So I'm going to write up here, um, mind, emotions, and will. This is all part of who you are. You have these within you. You have a mind that thinks you are processing right now. And the mind is a powerful thing that God has given us. The ability to think and even multitask in our mind at times. God has also given us emotions to feel what is happening, to feel joy, to feel loss, to feel heartache, to feel peace. But he's also given us a will with which we choose, which we act. And this makes up the soul. But God has given us something deeper than that, and that is our spirit. So when Paul says, may your whole spirit soul and body be preserved blameless. He's referring to the work that God does within us of transforming our spirit, conforming our mind, will, and emotions so that we begin to think like God, feel like God feels, and choose what God chooses to have our will choose him. But you and I are born with a spirit the center of who we are, that is dark. In fact, the Bible says it is dead. So we're going to let this stand for the unbeliever. This is how you and I are born. No one is born a Christian. You are born in sin. David in the Old Testament said, In sin did my mother conceive me. Didn't mean that she had had an affair or done something immoral. It meant that she, like every other person that had been born, had been born with a sin nature, uh, a, a spirit that is separated from God, a spirit that is dead to God. And Until we are born again, this spirit remains dark within us. Let me just show you some scripture verses. The Bible, uh, here's what the Bible says about that. The Bible says that the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? From Jeremiah 17, 9. Now, let me just clarify. That is an unbeliever. That is not you if you are a believer. Don't quote that verse as an affirmation of who you are today. Say, well, my heart's just deceitfully wicked and, you know, it's uh, desperately wicked. Who can know it? Look, 
When you were born again, the Spirit of God came into you and you were quickened and made alive. Your heart is not desperately wicked anymore. It has been filled with the Spirit of God who has made you alive in him. Amen? So an unbeliever, however, is in this place of death. He is in this place of being consumed with himself. He is dead to sin. He is prideful. He is um, selfish. He is totally consumed with himself. His, his spirit is like a, a black hole and everything goes into it. He's in this quest to try to find answers or fill his own needs. And so he consumes everyone around him. He is literally a black hole. It consumes all the light around them. They have no spiritual interest. They have no desire to seek after God. His will is not conformed to God. In his will, he is trying to do everything he can to rebel against God. He chooses against all of God's ways. He chooses his own way because he's consumed with himself. So he is prideful. He is selfish. His will is in rebellion. And he is driven often by his emotions. We see this happening in our world today. I just feel, although I was born a male, that I feel like I'm more of a female. This is letting dark emotions driven by an unsaved spirit lead. You hear me? This is emotions being led by death and letting emotions lead. Letting emotions drive everything. I feel this way, therefore I am. And if I feel offended, you need to back off. If I feel a certain way, that is who I am. Letting the emotions drive life. And then the mind is filled with what the Bible calls foolishness. Because the mind is not in subjection to the law of God, nor can it be. So therefore, when you read Romans 1, it resists by its will, it leans into its flesh and emotions, and its mind then becomes darkened. And the Bible says that when you reach that place, that God gives them over to themselves, to destroy themselves within themselves because they have resisted in their will, their emotions, and their mind. They have death dwelling here, and they have consumed themselves with their flesh. And professing to be wise, they became fools. And sadly, the Bible says that for these people, they will go into eternal destruction because they have refused to bow their knee to Jesus Christ. They have refused to walk in God's ways. They have refused to humble themselves. Their heart is hardened and God resists the proud but he gives grace to the humble. Are you with me so far? All right. So I want to talk about what happens, though, when grace impacts us. Because God sees us in this state. He knows us in this state. And here, God is moved with mercy for us and grace for us. He watches us destroying ourselves He watches us living completely for self. He watches us in our death. And while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Amen? He didn't say, oh, well, you just need to start doing some more religious things and then this will all get better. No. They don't need their body kept in check. They don't need their mind kept in check. They don't need their emotions trained. They don't need to necessarily see someone that can help them with their emotions. They don't need someone who can help them rewrite their will. They need someone who can revive their spirit because they are dead here in the center of who they are. And this is where God sees us and sends his son to be a savior for us. So, 
Let's do the same thing over here, but this time we're going to let this represent a believer. Because what happens is God demonstrates his love for us by sending his son. And if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. And we become a new creation. 2 Corinthians 5 says this, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And not only that, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians that you are now the temple of God the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God dwells in you. This is now new. The Spirit is now made alive. There is now uh, freedom. There is now forgiveness. There is now new life here because we responded to his grace by faith and we believed and it changed us on the inside. All of a sudden, you had new desires. The day you came to Christ, you remember it. There was all of a sudden this freshness, this aliveness, this desire to follow Christ in your life. Amen? That's why the first step that we encourage believers to take, the Bible says, is that of baptism. Which, by the way, we're going to have a baptism today. It's going to be awesome. I can't wait. You get to see all of this demonstrated for us. So God calls us to repent and to believe and we become a new creation. We are no longer who we once were. That's why I said my heart is no more deceitfully wicked because the spirit of God has now come to live in my spirit. Hello? Now, do I still struggle from time to time? Yes. You know why? Because my mind and will and emotions for a long time lived right here. And the longer you live here, sometimes the more it takes to undo the patterns of the old flesh, the Bible says. That's why there's a war between the flesh and the spirit. It doesn't mean that there's two people living in here. It means the Holy Spirit lives in here and I'm still trying to work out my old fleshly ways here. I'm still listening to him saying, I am forgiven and freely accepted in the heavenlies. Well, you know who has a hard time with that? My mind and my emotions, and my will. Because it, I've never experienced that with anybody else who you know, says, I accept you, and I have redeemed you, and now you are forgiven. In fact, I call you righteous. What? That's not even a human interaction we have with anyone. And so Jesus gives us that, and he makes us that in our spirit. That's why we can say, I have been seated with him in the heavenly places. That's why my spirit is what is saved permanently and he will keep my spirit until the day that I go home to be with the Lord, either by rapture or by death. And on that day, my spirit will leave my body and immediately be with the Lord. Amen? Y'all taking all this in? All right, all right, let's, let's keep going. Because, I just want to drive this home one more time. Uh, the Bible says that we have actually become one spirit with the Lord. One spirit. Not my little S spirit and his spirit and the flesh and Satan and my old, no, no. I've become one spirit with the Lord. This is now Holy Spirit, me, one in him. And I'm in the process now of having my mind transformed, amen? Like Romans says, Romans 12, one and two, look at what the Bible says. It says, present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. 
And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's because I'm still in the process of having my mind renewed. I'm still taking in what God has done in me that I may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So as I submit myself to God and I submit my mind and I submit my emotions and I submit my will, then I can begin to experience his will for my life. But it means I have to submit myself to him. I have to open myself up. I have to say, I will make room for you to do whatever you want to. And I seek him and I begin to expand my capacity and add some new activities. Amen? And then, only then, can I bring even my body under control of the Holy Spirit. I can talk about this because I've lived in it. Even when it comes, I'm just going to go ahead and get on out there, make it awkward for everybody. It's New Year's. <laughs> it's that time we all talk about losing some weight. Hello? Right? I got to somehow get my body in check. Great. It's good. Just remember, you are not your body. You are not even your mind, will, and emotions. You are one with the Spirit of God. When you understand who you are in Him, start dwelling on who you are in Him, start remembering you have been called, accepted, forgiven. You've been called righteous, you have a purpose. You now can be, have intimacy with God. The more you drill down on that and know who you are in Christ, you will find victory over plaguing thoughts, plaguing emotions, and demonstrations of the will that you just can't seem to get under control. Whether it be diet, drinking, cursing, gambling, Whatever it is, the answer is not in dealing with the thing, but in dealing with who you are in Jesus Christ and walking in that identity. Amen? It's true. It's true. So this is the work that God does within us. Now, sometimes it happens that in our walk that we get to this place where we wrestle with this part we say, you know what? I just find it hard to believe all these truths. And instead, I'm gonna try to understand this whole thing about God with my mind, with my own emotions. And if I can't feel it, then I'm not sure I can believe it. So I'll repeat my phrase. Faith don't care about your feelings. Come on. If you want to grow up in Jesus Christ, you tell feelings to get in the back seat. They follow. They used to lead, but not anymore. And you tell your own thoughts. Thoughts, you got to take a back seat too. Because thoughts, you're in the process of being refined and transformed and conformed. And so you have to submit to spirit at this point, and spirit is driving the car. And will, I'm sorry, you get on way on back there. You do what spirit says do. Now, in this series, we're gonna talk about things like fasting that help put will, emotions, and mind in the back seat and put spirit in the front seat. Hello? We're going to do some of that in this series. We're going to talk about things like forgiveness that help put feelings and thoughts and will in the back seat and let spirit drive in the front seat. We're going to talk about the importance of memorizing and meditating on scripture and agreeing with truth. Because when you agree with truth, then you tell mind, will, and emotions back, back. Spirit's driving. And what God says by his spirit, is who gets to determine where we go. Hello? And that's a process. And this is where we all are, in the process of sanctification, being sanctified your whole body, soul, and spirit, as Paul said. But what happens sometimes 
is there gets to be a war. There is a war right here. Here's frontline one and here's frontline two. And there is a skirmish going on right in here. The Bible intends for us to yield and submit our mind, will, and emotions to the Spirit. If we don't, then we end up with what the book of James says, a double-minded man. You become, I have one set of lead and thoughts and emotions, and I have another thought of lead, set, and emotions. And when you're double-minded, James says, you're unstable in all your ways. You're up, you're down, you're on, you're off. You got confusion. You can't figure out what to do. You're this when you're with this crowd. You're this when you're with this crowd. You're doing great on January 1st, but January 3rd, you know, down you go. You're double-minded man. You're unstable in all your ways. That's not how you and I were intended to live, praise God. There is hope. There is an answer. And it is in expanding our capacity to know God. So I want to talk about what that looks like. For someone to be strong in spirit. This is what you and I were called to. So you notice in this drawing here, still got body, same place. I got soul in the same place, the mind, the emotions, whoops, and will. But you'll notice something different about this drawing. I got spirit real big here, right? Because spirit expanded its capacity. Spirit said, okay, God, I will make room and I'm going to push out. I'm going to enlarge the place of my tent to make room for you. I'm going to lengthen the cords. I'm going to strengthen the stakes. And even though I might have known barrenness in the past and emptiness in the past and servitude to my flesh in the past, I might have had some habits and some addictions and some thoughts and some emotions I just hadn't been able to get control of. God, I'm expanding my spirit beyond all of that to let you reign and have control of my life so that the spirit is mighty within me, more mighty than my own emotions, my own thoughts, and my own will, right? Amen. You see, this is where it's important that you and I remember some truths because the Bible says I am seated with him in heavenly places. The Bible says that I am actually called holy and blameless. And the war starts. I don't feel holy. I don't feel blameless. It's not about your feelings. Well, I can't logically fit how I could be holy. I mean, Jesus was holy. This is not about your logic. You're gonna have to bring your logic and let it bow its knee at the cross. That's what you do. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding, your own thought processes. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. He will open the way if you will expand the capacity of your spirit. If you will take in that you have been blessed and believe that. If you'll believe that you are free. If you'll believe that you have been forgiven. If you'll believe that you have been made secure in him. You say, well, I just don't always feel secure. Does that mean I've lost my salvation? No. Don't let your feelings drive your salvation. That's not what got you there. Faith got you there. And when Jesus took a hold of you, his spirit came to live within you and you became a new person and you can't undo a new person any more than you can undo a baby once it's born. It's born, it's here. You can't undo it. You can't undo a spiritual life that's been born. This is how you get past the wrestling with your salvation. Jesus is the one who birthed you. Jesus is the one who holds you. And he said, 
No one and no thing can snatch you out of his hand. Amen? So, if you will do the work of expanding your spirit, if you'll do the thing of being strong in spirit, you'll get what the Bible says. Here's some things the Bible says about this. It says you'll have fruit that comes from you. Galatians 5, the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. In other words, the fruit of yielding to the Spirit will begin to have very powerful results in your life. And it will work its way out through your own will, emotions, and mind. And you'll start to have peace in your mind that you didn't have before because you trusted God more than your own thoughts. You'll begin to have joy in your emotions even because you put your emotions in the back seat and trusted God first. You'll begin to even have self-control. That's one of the fruit of the Spirit because you've submitted your spirit and expanded your capacity of the Spirit to God to do what he wants to do. Hebrews 5 says that one of the other manifestations of the Spirit will be that uh, you will begin to have discernment. Mm, That's a powerful thing. To be able to walk through life and have the Spirit of God speaking to you and you come upon a situation and you can't figure out logically which way to go, plan A, plan B. You can't even figure out emotionally which way to go, plan A, plan B. You can't even choose with your will which way to go, plan A, plan B. But when you learn to expand your spirit to the spirit of God, you expand your capacity, you learn to listen to the spirit, it will give you discernment and you'll all of a sudden say, well, I know this doesn't make sense to anybody else and I know this may not feel right, but here's the direction we're gonna go because God gave me discernment into the situation. That's the spirit of God working, which is different than your own mind, will, and emotions. Amen? I really love Romans 5.17, what it says, that those who receive this abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness here in their spirit, they will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. Whoo! they will begin to see powerful demonstrations in their life of things that God is doing. Things that they pray for and have prayed for, they'll begin to see results in them. They'll begin to see things come out. They'll begin to see things they've struggled with in their own mind, their own emotion, their own will, things that they've wrestled with because they have expanded their capacity to listen to what God says and believe it over everything else. Now all of a sudden, they start having fruit in their life. They start having manifestations of their spirit within them. Here are some of the things that you can expect to receive if you will expand your capacity. You will begin to have insight into God's word. You'll begin to have understanding into some things that you have long questioned and misunderstood. You'll begin to even have greater sensitivity to the spirit of God, him speaking to you you'll begin to have genuine love for people in your life and genuine, authentic love for God. You'll begin to have deeper faith. You'll trust God for some big things in your life. You'll begin to have greater power. You'll find that when you walk in the spirit, you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh, Galatians. These things will begin to grow within you. You'll begin to have healing over some things that have happened in your life in the past, some hurts that you've carried around, some bitternesses that have been part of your life, and you'll even begin to develop great endurance. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They will have great power in their life. This is the kind of life that you and I have been called to, a life where we are strong in spirit, not just strong in our mind, not just strong in our emotions, not just strong in our will, but strong in the spirit of God. Amen? This, I'm convinced, is our application for today of Isaiah 54. Enlarge your tent. Stretch out the cords. Be lavish. 
put down the stakes and put them down deep. Be strong in spirit. Be mighty in God's ways. Be mighty for yourself in God. Seek to encourage your spouse to be mighty in spirit. Raise up your children to be mighty in spirit. And then let us be a church that is mighty in spirit. Sensing the direction and the work and presence of God. And then a people who are out rescuing others. Who are still held captive by death within them. That we might set them free. One final verse before we pray today. Paul said uh, the very similar thing in Ephesians 3. It was a prayer. He prayed for the people there. He says, he says I'm praying that he, God, would grant you according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through his spirit, where? In the inner man. This is exactly what he was talking about. That if you're gonna be strong anywhere, let's be strong here. Let's expand our capacity. We're gonna do some activity, yes. But before we get into the activity, Let's begin by expressing and expanding our capacity. Amen? Would you bow your heads with me? So today I would ask you to ask God, God, would you expand my capacity? I humble myself today to receive all that you are. And before I do anything this year, I want my heart to be what is fully open and alive to you. And so today, God, I will make room for you. There is no place in my heart that I will close off from you. I want your spirit to transform me, to heal me, to make me new to wash away past hurts, to remove my own flesh, to fully be who you say I am and that by faith I would receive all of that today. Father, I thank you so much for your design, how you have made us. And that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us that we who have known corruption and death could know life and life abundant. What an amazing display of your great grace that you would choose us, those of us who have been sinners, to now be called the righteousness of God. So we push past our own thoughts, our own emotions, and our own will, and we believe by faith today and we ask you to continue to expand our capacity. We will make room for you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. So it's just beautiful how the Holy Spirit arranges things that today we get to experience a baptism. A beautiful picture of new life. Of life coming in where there's been death of redemption happening where there had been no hope. And God does that at various ages in people's lives. And I'm excited to introduce to you today, Erin Mawinney and her mom, Lisa. Y'all come on up here. So Lisa is uh, on our staff. She's our financial director and um, we get to spend some time hearing from her life and getting to be a part of what's going on in their life. They're active in our children's ministry. And I've got to watch Aaron grow up quite a bit. I first met Bryce and Lisa when there were no little children around. And so it's fun to watch what God has done. So Aaron came chasing me down last Sunday and said, I want to be baptized. I'm going to let Lisa take over from here and tell kind of the backstory of how that moment occurred. This is my daughter, Erin Hope, and she's come to be baptized today, and I had to write it down or I'm not going to make it. 
Erin has come to be baptized today. She is seven years old, but Erin admitted that she was a sinner and accepted Jesus Christ as her personal savior when she was five years old. And I wanna tell you a little bit about her testimony this morning. One morning during that year, I woke up to discover a situation happened where Erin really could have used a grown-up's help. And I asked her, Erin, why didn't you call me? And she said, I did. I was calling you and crying for you, and you didn't hear me. As a mom, it kind of makes you feel great. She said, so I cried out to God, and I asked him to help me, and he did. And then she told me exactly how he helped her through that problem. Then another situation happened last spring where Aaron prayed and asked God for something. We'd attempted to breed our Netherland dwarf rabbit for the first time. And as I prepared our girls for all the things that might go wrong, Aaron boldly declared, no mama, I asked God and he said yes. I told her that was great as I secretly pled with the Lord, please make that come true. And over the course of the next month, I'd find ways to bring the topic up. Erin, how do you know God said yes? And each time she'd boldly proclaim the same phrase. I asked God and he said yes. Well, supposedly rabbits are like clockwork. And when the day came and then the next, and then the next, and then the next, I hope that Erin had forgotten that she asked God and he said yes. When hope was lost, I did my nightly hay check right before bed, and would you believe there were two tiny baby bunnies? I ran to get her out of bed with the phrase, Aaron, you asked God, and he said yes. To which she replied, I told you. <laughs> I tell you these stories as part of Aaron's testimony of our father's faithfulness. Aaron talks to God, and because she does, her relationship with him has flourished. She is able to hear from him and receive his help. Erin asked to be baptized for a year now. And while we thought she might be too young to grasp the reality, she's persistent in her request to the point where we can no longer deny her heart for the Lord. So Erin, God has placed a seed of great faithfulness in your heart. And I'm so excited to see how he is gonna use you. You have been a testimony to his faith to our family and this morning to all these people who are going to watch you. So I am honored to watch you get baptized this morning. All right, Bryce is going to come and he's going to baptize. Bryce is one of our elders here at Vertical. We're grateful for him. And uh, I'm going to step out of the way and let this family get to have this moment. brother in Christ and you'll be my sister in Christ. So we're going to bury you in baptism. Raised to walk in newness of life. 